Hello, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Broski Doodles. Your host, like always, Kiko Flo, Kiko Cervantes, with you every week, bringing you the fire, the seasoning, the fixings, all right? All the fucking goodies. Today, today I want to speak about something that's a bit more personal, something that, that has to do with my life. Um, it is a topic that <clears throat> I haven't really talked about specifically in the past. I've touched some things regarding this on the podcast, but never went in depth. And I think it's it's important for for the people that listen to this podcast to, to know a bit of what's happening in, in my country, where I'm from, Venezuela. Not only what's happening now, but how everything uh, started over there. For some of you that might know a little bit of it, then maybe I can clarify some things. And for those of you that don't know anything, then maybe I can bring some light into into the situation that's going on, okay? So we're going to talk about Venezuela. How did it get to where it's at now? How did that all started over 20 years ago? And what are my thoughts about how it can improve, if, if anything? So, so that's going to be what we're gonna be touching on. To start on this, well, first let me have a little, a little cervecita or beer, because this is gonna be a, this is gonna be a deep one. Keep in mind that my analysis is coming from someone that simply lived it. Okay, I'm not a, an expert in politics. I. I'm not a historian, so if anything I say, I'm not accurate with specific dates and things like that, I am sort of telling it to you how I saw it, but I have no intent in not expressing the true reality of things. Another disclaimer that I wanted to say before I start speaking about this topic is that even though I would normally lean more on the right of spectrum of things. I would consider myself center right, if anything, more of a libertarian myself, but I, I want it to be understood that because of that, I'm not gonna be biased towards what I think about what's happening in Venezuela with a socialist regime that's in place. And so I, I wanna be just very clear that I'm gonna be telling my experiences and not things that I made up. Because I really want people to to have a clear understanding. So I'm not gonna be on any side of the political spectrum regarding left or right. I'm gonna concentrate really on the situation that is attacking Venezuela. To start off, <clears throat> we need to go back to about 1989. In 1989, which is the year that I was born, Again, I might be not 100% accurate by a year or two, but this is pretty much how it happened. There was this guy, this military military guy called Hugo Chavez, which you probably heard this name before. <clears throat> this guy wanted to do a coup and take over the government along with you know, other soldiers, right? Because at the time, 
there was a lot of protest and you could say that there was a bit of a crisis in Venezuela. When you look at it from the future back, it was not really a bad crisis, but let's just say it was the worst the country had been in in many years. So Chavez in 89 tries to do this coup to sort of take over and, and get on government, but he gets caught, it's, it's flawed. It's, it's not successful, he gets caught, he goes to jail as a political, um, yeah, as a, as, 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 as a political personnel or um, whether we call it political prisoner, I guess. Not even, not even, I'm talking shit here. Political prison will be, I mean, this guy was just going against the law. I mean, he was doing criminal shit, trying to take over a government by violence. So, yeah, he just went to jail, right? He stayed in jail for a while. And I believe around 95 or 96, the, the president in place in Venezuela lets Chavez out. You know how sometimes presidents do this presidential pardon? Well, they did that with Chavez and Chavez was let free. And it seemed like he was sort of getting this momentum of being this person that's like against the system, you know. He became like a very populist person and he and he started like campaigning to, to become president using <clears throat> the, whole, the whole story of being a martyr because he was sent to jail for being a criminal, but you know, he could use that as like, you know, the system corrupted, put me in jail. Now I'm coming out with more force, something like that. Now, <clears throat> up to now, Venezuela was a growing economy. And I remember having a really good childhood. My dad was a businessman. He made good money. We had a, a good upbringing, right? There was another side of this. There were a lot of people that were poor. Most of the people in the country. And there's a whole lot of factors that affect that as, as to why that happens, right? One of them being, I mean, you have to take into account that the culture or, yeah, I'm, 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 maybe I'm, it's, I'm not using the right word, but the one that comes to mind is just the culture of the people is not as organized to, to excel in life. What I mean by that is in European countries, you have a lot more of conscious people regarding not wanting to have babies too soon because you want to first be stable economically. You see that as well in the in the US, not as much as in Europe. And then in America, uh, South America, in Venezuela, you see it less and less, especially with the poor, uh, the poor classes, right? So you have a lot of growing population in these uh, barrios, hoods, favelas, some of the biggest slums in the world. And there's definitely a problem there. So for many years, since the 70s, we've had two political parties. You could say sort of like in the US where it is the Democratic and the Republicans, but in Venezuela, it was really more like uh, Democrats and less Democrats because in South America, especially in those times, it's hard to see anything that's really on the right because everything's about social programs for the poverty that exists. So really all you had was left and then, you know, not so left, but still left. And, you know, they were all corrupt and there was still money, but the country sort of ran. But people got mad that, that there was corruption and people got mad that there was poverty. 
So there were some things I needed to change, right? In my opinion, and a really good cleanup regarding corruption and a reorganization of the people in power that uh, have to do with judges, the people that actual that actually execute laws and make those people not uh, corruptible. And and that's really the main problem in South America is just corruption. Regardless of what left or right, you know. So so pretty much at that time, uh, you know, we had this these two parties. Like I was saying, Chavez comes through and he's like, look. I'm a martyr. I just came out of jail around 96. And in 98, there were going to be elections. 1998. So he ran, right? He ran on a lot of populist stuff. You know, we're going to help the the poor. But he also ran saying we're going to help the companies and shit. I remember my dad telling me. <laughs> it was crazy. My dad, the day that he won the presidency in 1998, I remember the day. My dad literally just like went upstairs. We started looking for our passports. Like, I'm not going to say we started making a suitcase that day because we couldn't leave that day. But my dad planned planned it all for us to leave right away. Right away. And he understood what was going to happen when Chavez won. Chavez won legitimately one time. And that was in 1998. In 1998, he had a majority of the votes. And he was, he became president of Venezuela. He was backed by a lot of companies, a lot of investors, just like it happens in any elections. You know, there's always people you got to pay favors to once you're in power. And so at the end of the day, it was just corruption. The thing is, this corruption that was going to take place in disguise as a social populist uh you know, socialist government, but really a corruption scheme. The the difference from the past, besides the uh, the more evil people that were gonna be part of it, is that they also had a connection with Cuba and Fidel Castro's people, right? Even before Chavez became president, you know, he was always like when he was in the military, he was always interested in the um, doctrine. In, in Cuba. And if I'm not mistaken, he even went a few times over there uh, to sort of get guidance from the fucking Oracle. And he, and he came back and pretty much he, he had some sort of alliance with Castro if he was to win. And he did win. And in 1998, he won. Now, what are the things that Chavez starts doing or at least starts presenting that he's going to do? At the beginning, a lot of it has to do with help, right? This is why there's a misconception in the world. People always, uh, not always, but some people that don't really know the situation in Venezuela still remember Chavez, like someone that, oh, he really wanted to help people, but maybe it was the people that was with him that kind of fucked it all up. And no, like Chavez was a fucking monster from the get-go, you know? He did create a lot of social programs, and that was one of the main things that he would push for, right? Social programs to help people. Venezuela, when Chavez won, the petroleum went from about $24 a gallon to like $120 a gallon. It was like a 500% increase. It was insane how 
how much how much more expensive petrol became. And for people that don't know, Venezuela is the country that has the largest uh, oil reserves in the world, in the world, right? Even more than Saudi Arabia. So you have this guy, Chavez, who's the perfect villain. He has connections with Castro. So he knows, he knows all the rule books on how to control a system, uh, a society, right? Now he has pretty much unlimited money because petrol gallon just went up 500%. I mean, he was already banking, but now even more. And you say, wait, why was he banking? I mean, the petroleum, does he keep it? So what happens is Chavez pretty much takes over the what's called PDVSA. PDVSA. This is the company, the state company that runs the oil business, right? So they're the ones that are in charge of collecting the oil in the country, refining it, selling it, etc. Right? Well, a long ass time ago, like in the 70s, they nationalized that company. It used to be a private company, right? And then the government's like, no, we're gonna take over. And normally when a government takes over, I- I'm not really down for that shit. It's better when it works on a private uh, sector, it just it works better, in my opinion. But in the 1970s, they nationalized it. This means that the government controls and oversees everything that has to do with oil production. And for many years, yeah, there was corruption, but for the most part, shit worked. You know, we sold gasoline to other countries. We were able to refine the gasoline for our own country because keep in mind, you can have oil, petrol. Well, I don't want to con- confuse. Because I know that in some places, petrol means gasoline. But what I mean is oil, crude oil. You can have a lot of it, but that doesn't mean you have gasoline. Gasoline, which is one of the most refined um, substances down the, the, the line of, of, um, of, re- of refinement, it, it is not only expensive, but it takes a lot of knowledge and a lot of machinery and just a lot of fucking managerial structure to be able to produce gasoline out of oil. And in Venezuela, we had some of the best uh, oil engineers in the world because Venezuela, even though we have the largest oil reserves in the world, we also have one of the worst qualities of oil in the world. <laughs> so it's a bit of a bitch, right? Like we got a bunch of shit, right? Like imagine, you know what it is? It's like, hey dude, open that storage, and there's five million dollars there, bro. Five million dollars. And it's all for you, bro. It's all for you. The only thing is the bills are all cut in many pieces. So you just have to stitch them all together and then you have five million dollars. So it was a it was a it was a bitch, right? But Venezuela Venezuelan engineers, Venezuelan scientists actually came up with techniques to be able to process this very crude oil imagine an oil as very thick so and you have to convert that into like liquid gasoline so imagine you know i mean the 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 most the more viscosity it has the the harder it's gonna be to to process it you know but we found ways on how to do it so we actually fucking pioneered certain technologies that allowed uh venezuela's oil industry to fucking you know boom 
And this is not something that happened with Chavez in the past. We've, we've been good with oil. My uncle is a mechanical engineer that ran one of the refineries. He was fired for not uh, following the government. I'll, I'll touch on that in a bit. But So I know a bit of this. But we had great minds were working in these places. I mean, so so much that other countries, Canada, you know, Saudi Arabia, or different countries would come and try to get engineers from Venezuela because they knew how to how to process thicker and harder oils. And, you know, like Saudi Arabia, even though they don't have the largest reserve, they have one of the best oils. If I'm not mistaken, it's almost like it just comes out liquid right away. But there are places where they come up uh, with a lot of oil, but it's sort of speak shitty oil. And in Venezuela, we had a lot of knowledge on how to take care of that because that was a condition that affected the oil that we had. All of it was this shit oil. Anyways, enough with the technical part, but I think it's, it's important for you to know the ins and outs. Um, so, so right. So we have all this oil. We're producing gasoline for us and for other countries. So much so that a glass of beer, a glass of beer was more expensive than a tank of oil, of gasoline in your car. So that's how crazy that's how crazy it was. That's how cheap it was. That uh even it was so much like that that gasoline is was cheaper than than water. Like bottled water was more expensive than gasoline. It was nothing, right? And I, and, I, and I find that cool. Like if you have a country that produces a lot of something and they're able to subsidize the energy that that country pays per citizen, that's fucking great. All right, cool. That's how it was for a long time. Chavez came, even though the, the government company, PDVSA, was already nationalized, it was done in a very uh, administrative and efficient way, let's just say, right? With this little bits of corruption, but... It worked, right? You had great people working on it. He came and he wanted to control all of it, right? Because why? Well, because that's the fucking, that's the that's the hen that that lays the golden eggs, or you know the goose that that lays the golden eggs. The 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 oil. That's the only shit that we produced. So he wants to more than more than take over the production. He wants to take over the intake of money, right? So they take over the fucking petroleum. They start changing laws so that the president can stay longer, right? So four years after this guy uh, is, in, is in presidency, there's a big strike for all the workers in the refineries. Because they're like, look, fuck this. We're stopping working. Because they knew if they could stop the production of gasoline and oil, then you would cut the money that the government received. So they did that, and we almost were able to take out the president because there was so much protest. But there was one guy that was a traitor. And when we took Chavez on a helicopter to sort of take him to jail, straight to jail, the guy so, sort of saved him and, and sort of back backstabbed the other side. Anyways, that, that's like, that's more deep shit. But in pretty much what happened is in 2003, is when shit exploded in Venezuela in the sense where people found out that this guy wanted to do extreme shit. 
instead of it being a five-year term, he wanted to change it to six. Or if I'm, no, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, it was either four or five-year term. He wanted to make it six, and he did um, through this shitty elections. Then he also wanted to for you to be able to to be elected up to three times in a row as a president. And now, isn't as as we speak today, you can be elected undefinitively. So you can be president forever as long as the people elect you each time. And of course, like in Cuba, they get elected each time, you know? So, you know, it's a bit of a fuck fest, but... But anyways, uh, let me follow a bit of the, of the timeline I have here so I don't lose or miss anything. So there's a petrol strike along with these elections for policies that he wants to change to stay in power. People realize this motherfucker's crazy. Not everyone. Some people are still lost and think that, oh no, this guy wants to help the poor and all this shit, which I'm gonna get to how he helped the poor. Um, so first of all, he grabs a list, right? He obtains a list, which is called La, li la Lista de... What the fuck is... La, la Lista de Chacón. La Lista de Chacón o de Tacón. Something that Chacón's or Tacón's list. Something like that. Uh, it's a guy's list that he made a list because he had access to the, the voting centers and he got everybody that voted against the president. He had that record of it and gave it to the regime. So what happened is this motherfuckers went and everyone who voted against any of the policies that the regime was trying to pass, they would fire them. So, for example, if you worked for anything that had a relationship to the government, like these refineries or oil process centers, if you didn't vote for this guy and support it, you're fired. My uncle got fired because he was not going to vote for this guy. My uncle actually came from Cuba. So he fucking was escaping some communism there. He gets to Venezuela and now he, you know, they're installing the same shit there. Now, when, when this shit starts happening, obviously the country starts getting more agitated. And this is when we, we start seeing protests. Another thing that happened at this time is for him to be able to control the country more, he didn't want there to be a free exchange of dollars to the local currency. The local currency in Venezuela is called the Bolivar. It has changed the name a bit because there's been so much inflation that they've had to they've had they've had to take out zeros. Uh, in like for example, they've had to grab like the hundred dollar bill and you take take out two zeros and now it's one it's one dollar, right? <laughs> I don't know. For maybe for you you guys don't understand what what I'm even saying. Like there's been so much inflation in Venezuela that they had to take out zeros in the coin and each time they call the coin different, right? So all this happened because of inflation. The country to be able to to pay for shit without really paying for it, you just print more money. But when you print more money, you create inflation, right? So what happens when there's inflation? People try to save their their value. So when you see that there's inflation in your local currency, you start buying another currency or another uh, asset that could keep that value such as gold dollars euros right because if your country right your third world country is printing money like crazy you need to convert all your local currency into a currency that actually works and is not being devaluated right but the government knows you're going to try to do that so they make it illegal for you to be able to exchange dollars to to the local currency the bolivar 
So you have to go to the government and ask them for like, hey, I'm going to go on a trip to Spain for vacation. Can I please have some dollars so that I can go and do this trip? And then the government will give you these dollars at a preferred rate. Now, the government used to say, or well, still says, that that's the actual value of the dollar in Bolivares. But it's always like a really low price because they want to make it look like the Bolivar is a lot stronger, right? So whenever they compare the Bolivar to the dollar, they would say they would say something like, for example, oh, one Bolivar is the same as one dollar, right? When in reality, if you went to the black market and you wanted to get a dollar, it was really 1,000 Bolivares instead of one, right? So if you were able to get approved these dollars from the government to go on a trip or whatever, then you were getting really cheap dollars, right? And so that became sort of a business for many people in Venezuela that I think unintentionally uh, caused a lot of the issues. And I don't blame normal citizens of taking advantage of some administrative shit to get dollars cheaper, buy merchandise outside, bring it, and then bank. Like, I don't blame him for that, but that's how Chavez was able to keep a lot of people without really caring much because people were like, oh, I'm making money, but it's not really, uh, so, uh, it's not really, what's the word I'm looking for here? It's not really sustainable because across time, well, I mean, we know it ain't sustainable today because fucking people are dying of hunger, but at the time, we were depending on that um, oil price to be really high. So what would happen is, these motherfuckers would steal 90% of all the money that came in for the oil. I'm literally being for real. It's like 90% of the money stolen to their pocket. If before there was a corruption where they would steal 10% of everything, eh, we could work with that. That's South American standards. No, they were stealing 90%. And the rest of the money, they would go and see like, oh, we're going to do this social program. Oh, we're going to give dollars to the citizens to go on vacation and we're going to give them the dollars at a really good price so people are like oh okay and people lived in an illusion for a long a long time i was clear about what's happening from the beginning and i don't know if it's because i lived other places and i was just like this is all going to shit you know um so yeah i mean eventually the government stopped giving out these dollars at a preferred rate because they don't even they didn't even have enough to, to give it out like that. So now in Venezuela, if you want to buy a dollar, you can get it, but it's expensive as fuck if you want to buy it in the current. If I'm not mistaken, right now, one dollar is worth about a million Bolivares. One million Bolivares is one, one US dollar. And that's today. And this changes every week. So that figure will be irrelevant soon. Uh, so, I mean, it's insane the amount of, of, of destruction that they caused. And, and uh, I mean, I really hope I'm not leaving anything out, uh, at least the importance. I mean, obviously, I'm going to leave things out, but I, I hope that I'm getting across the most important uh, pieces that I think you should uh, hear. And so around 2010, we already have the inflation that's been coming, but now it starts ramping up really bad. Corruption's already been going bad. And, and what starts happening in a corrupted country like this that was seeing a lot of money, sorry, is that is that all that money that's coming in 
you need to also give it to the people that you want to have your back as the regime, you know, prime being. So all this money that you're getting from pet Petro, you're stealing a lot of it for you and for your homies. But you need to have a lot of homies so that everybody's paid off, you know? If everyone's paid off, then nobody can take you down, right? From the throne. And also, in the past, you had a little bit of a way of paying off the citizens by giving them this preferred dollar, but now you don't have that much. So fuck the citizens. Now you gotta take care of your crew. But what happened is, in 2010, oh, uh, I came here in 2015, so we're looking at about 2013, 2012, Chavez dies. And when he dies, Maduro, which is the president that, that you see now, is the one that took over. And coincidentally, when that happens, the price of petrol went from the, the numbers that I was telling you, 100 $120 a barrel, to about you know, 18 20 So it, it fucking plummeted. And all that money that they had to bribe everybody and pay everybody off, well, now that money is in there. However, the people that are still there still want to fucking like, hey, where's my money? Because I'm here protecting you and making sure you're there. And we're talking about military personnel, colonels, um, sergeants, you know, the people that own the fucking guns, the weapons, the tanks and shit. All those people were paid off. Those are the ones you, you need to have paid off. But as less and less money came to the country because oil was fucking up, well, you had less money to give out. So if there was any money that was given to social or to the citizens but one way or the other, like, fuck that, cut back, because we need to pay off our homies, even if it's a little bit less. And when I say my homies, I mean the villains, you know, the people that run the scheme. So with less and less money, there's less food. What the country tries, what the regime tries to do is, if there was a, some a, a place that sold food, because inflation was so high, prices were high, but it was the only way that you could sell something. If you bought something for 100, you need to sell it for 120 to make a profit. But then the government would come and say, 120, that's, that's so expensive. You're, you're being an abuser. You, you need to sell that for 30. So then what, what happened is, well, the people that are gonna produce that product are not gonna produce it if they're gonna sell it at a loss. So what ends up happening? Scarcity. There's nothing for you to buy. So we, you know, when I left, I left Venezuela when I was 10 in around the year 2000. I came back on 2010 and I was seeing the destruction come down, but I was able to at least go to the beaches, uh, you know, see my friends, family, and I was there for five years and I sort of saw the worst part of it. I left 2015 to Spain and now five years later, even though the country, I mean, the country is fucked even more. There's so much poverty. Uh, but the government now allows the dollar to be used because otherwise people would die of hunger because they have no other way. Like you couldn't even get cash out of an ATM because they, have, they don't have enough cash. Um, not only they don't have enough cash, the amount of cash that you can take out is only so much physically. But even like a pack of money like this, it's not even 50 cents. You know what I mean? So you need like a fucking huge duffel bags to just buy an ice cream. So instead, people just use dollars. 
and the government has had to sort of you know look away because otherwise people wouldn't be able to do commerce right so now you can buy anything you want there pretty much but it's extremely expensive right a country where everything used to be cheap a country where like 10 years 20 years ago you could send a hundred dollars a month and that would be good for your whole family to buy food and pay for shit well now if i send a hundred dollars there they get less things in a supermarket than what i would get with those hundred dollars in Europe or in the US. So no, there's not only local inflation, there's also a dollar inflation because of the scarcity of things and because of how hard things are, uh, are to get there. And this inflation is not affected by the inflation of the dollar. You know what I mean? Like the dollar isn't, isn't being inflated the amount that the prices are being inflated for the things they're selling. It's just that the system is so fucked, it's so hard to get things there that yeah, you gotta pay the price. So now everything is super expensive. Another thing that happened through all these years is that nothing was maintained, right? Did I say nothing was mayonnaise or maintained? Maintained. There was no maintenance. There's no mayonnaise. There's no maintenance. Maintenance. <laughs> they didn't maintain shit, dog. I'm telling you. So if you look at infrastructure, bridges, uh aqueducts right everything that has to do with bringing clean water and black waters out of the city uh all the basic shit electricity for the city all that which was set up pretty well 20 years ago well now is completely fucked right my mom can expect every day to either not have water or not have electricity at her home right this is my mom who lives in Venezuela. So I'm telling you about shit that, I've, that I'm hearing, you know. And obviously this happens today, but this has been happening, you know, even when I lived there uh, five years ago, you know. So there's no water, no electricity. Um, so, and, and, and the fucked up part is you normally have pumps and wells inside your house to collect water so that when there's no electricity... Uh, sorry, so that, that when there's no water, you still have water saved. But what happens when you don't have electricity? Well, for one, you don't have any light. But for a second, you cannot work the pumps that would get the water from the wells. <laughs> and if you don't have water coming from the street either, then you're fucked. So living without water and electricity on a daily basis is something that, that happens. Another thing that, that, that is fucked up, all the refineries are fucked. You would think that these motherfuckers would maintain the very thing that keeps their existence going, which is selling oil and and gasoline. But no, the, the, not, almost none of the refineries work for gasoline. Or oh, if I'm not mistaken, maybe none of them. I do know that at one point we were producing about three, about 3.3 million barrels of oil per day we were producing and selling and Dubai was selling 2.9 so we were selling more than them right and that was starting in 2000 look where Dubai is now and what they use all the money Venezuela was making more per day and look, where, where's all that money? Venezuela, all the money that came in Venezuela for oil 
you would think Venezuela would be the fucking Switzerland of South America. I mean, I'm talking about everything working. And me personally, I'm cool with social programs if, if they're efficient. Venezuela had so much money, you could have made it so we had fucking the best universities, the best hospitals, all paid for by oil. Inclusive for all Venezuelans. That's what could have happened. Because that's how much money was coming into Venezuela. So if you want to sort of make a comparison, in 2000, and you can see online uh, like a video of what happened in the next 10 years in Dubai from 2000 to 2010. And they were making less money per day than Venezuela in oil. We were selling a little bit more than then. That's a shitload of money to disappear. Dubai build a fucking futuristic city. Where is all that money in Venezuela? Where is it? They didn't do anything. They didn't build shit. I've seen it. I've been there. My dad almost died over there. And we didn't have money. We had to take him to a public hospital. Man, this, this place had no running water. This place, the electricity would go out sometimes. My, they didn't have the the um, the equipment necessary to to do blood tests so that they can monitor my dad's condition and see if they could save his life. <laughs> you know, if I didn't leave the hospital before five p.m., I was fucked because to get to the hospital you had to pass through through a favela, and if they saw my my little cute ass, they would have grabbed me and chopped me into fucking pieces. Because that, that was straight up like a hood that was there. So, you know, like, it's insane. Like, the, the, the shit that I saw over there. People people eating from, from the trash, man. Getting sick because that shit's going to get you sick. It's going to get you hepatitis. All types of shit. I'm fortunate that I came from a family that gave me the opportunities and even when we were fucking broke we had opportunities to 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 flee pretty much flee and I still have you know my parents over there in Venezuela so I I, I vicariously live that anguish through them every day so remember that gasoline that used to be pretty much free for all of us well I told you the refineries don't work. For a while, we were buying the gasoline from the U.S. The socialist communist regime of Venezuela says that the U.S. are the fucking empire that are trying to fuck with the little men. But they, they buy gasoline from the U.S. and the U.S. buys uh, oil from Venezuela. So what happens is U.S. buys oil from Venezuela gets that oil and takes it to the Bahamas and different refineries in the Caribbean, makes it into gasoline, which is a lot more more valuable. Think about like getting cocaine and turning it into crack. That's sort of what you're doing here, right? You're making that shit the most expensive and valued material. And then the U.S. sells back the gasoline that they made from the petroleum that they bought from us, and they sell it back to us. So it's kind of like... Yeah, it's kind of like making business with the fucking dumbass of the village. And, and the Venezuelan regime is a dumbass. But now they're involved in, 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 um, in the narcotics business as well. They're pretty much the hub 
for all the drug to go to Venezuela and South America. And then from Venezuela, it gets shipped to Europe. It gets shipped to Africa. And, and it goes through all these countries that they have, you know, certain relationships with. Um, and, and, and that's what's happening, man. Um, I remember, you know, because of the connection they have with Cuba, Cuba would pay uh, for gasoline. Like we would, the, Venezuela would send them gasoline and Cuba would pay it by sending us doctors. Because if you don't, if you don't, um, if you're not aware, Cuba has the best doctors in the world. I mean, these motherfuckers. <laughs> I mean, talk about fucking Dr. House. Fucking Cuban house, dog. I don't understand why people think that Cuban doctors are good. Have you been to a fucking Cuban hospital? Huh? They have equipment from the 1950s, man. What the fuck are you talking about? Cubans are good doctors. Nothing against Cuban people, man. I love Cuban people. But don't bullshit me. When my dad was dying... By the way, my dad is alive today. I love him very much, and he's very well. But he was very close to dying at one point. And we took him because Chavez, in his time, he had all these you know, grandiose plans of making social programs for everybody. So he made these little centers, like these little medical centers around all the neighborhoods. Meaning, if you had something, before you go to the hospital, you go to these small centers near you. It's more comfortable. And if it's nothing out of the ordinary, then they can help you quickly there. And the hospital is more for like more emergencies, right? Like heavy things. And to be honest, the idea seems fine. Like that's how it works in Spain. You have little small centers near you and then you have the hospitals if you need to go there. So I never, I thought the idea was cool, but then I had to actually use it once. It was, it was in, in the very late, uh, late in the evening, right? Like two, three in the morning. My dad couldn't breathe and he was out of it. He was out of, you know, I, I'm not gonna go really into depth into what was his issue, but pretty much he, what would happen is he would go out of himself. He wouldn't know who the fuck he was and he wasn't breathing. Scary time. So. We put him in the car. We want to take him to the closest place so that they can give him oxygen. We don't really want to go to the hospital because we have to go at three in the morning through the ghetto, through the favelas. And so we, we take him to this place that I remember like, oh, this is one of those places that Chavez put. That's one of those centers, right? Uh, it always had the face of Chavez. Anything that had to do with the government, you would see all across the city, his face and shit, because he wants to you know, brand himself and everything that fucking happens. So we go to this medical center and it's ran by Cuban doctors, right? Because this is a government uh, funded little political, you know, um, medical center. And we have Cuban doctors, which, by the way, we, we have a lot of good Venezuelan doctors that we could have given jobs to. But we're giving doctors to some uh, jobs to somebody else from another country. But whatever. The doctors there, they were nice people that were trying to do well. But you could clearly see they were not a doctor as per international standards. You know what I mean? Like, I was telling him, like, he has this issue, this issue, this issue. He wanted to give my dad a Xanax, uh, which is, you know, a diet, you know, um, benzodiazepines. And this shit, in the condition that my dad was in, could have killed him. 
if they gave him that because he could have gone into cardiac arrest. Uh, so I told him, like, no, he cannot take that pill. Like, his doctor specifically said that he cannot take that pill because of the situation he's in. And, it's, and it's, it seemed to be like a common thing. Like, you should know this shit. Everything else that they did to my dad, all the checkups they did, it was as if, if it was somebody that didn't know what the fuck they were doing. They took his blood for some blood test. When the numbers came back, dude, the answers to the... Like, the answers... Like, well, not the answers, the results weren't even, didn't even make sense, right? Like, if if the results had to be, like, milligrams, it was, like, five kilos and shit. Like, you know, like, it just didn't make sense. It wasn't even, like, and they were, like I said, they were not bad people, but they just didn't know what the fuck they're doing. So don't tell me about this bullshit, like, Cuban doctors, no. Another thing that, and this is recent, you know, I want to touch now on recent things my girlfriend needs to get like certain paperwork from the university where she graduated in uh, my hometown in Venezuela I'm from Valencia, Venezuela and there's a very not now but what used to be one of the best universities in Venezuela and in South America, which is called Universidad de Carabobo. Carabobo is, is like a place, so it will be like the Carabobo University. Well, anyways, she graduated from here as an engineer, and she needed to get some shit, and she asked somebody over there, oh, can you go check there, like, in the administrative office if they can get me, like, a transcript of my fucking grades, like whatever the fuck, you know, anything that you, you know, easy stuff. You normally pay a fee, wait a few days and you get that shit, right? Well, it can't be done because the whole, like all the network cables in the university were stolen, right? By thieves, like they were just stolen. Like, so, so everything's fucked. So if you need to go graduate and get your diploma, you can't right now, you know? I remember before I left, this was five years ago, the university was ran by goons so much so that I never went to the university like to study, but I went a few times with a friend to fucking score weed, dog. <laughs> there used to be there used to be this place called La Laguna, like go to La Laguna. I'm pretty sure if anybody's still there and, and doing and fucking slanging and shit, let me know. Because that shit is for real. It's called La Laguna, the Lagoon, which was behind one of the schools. I don't know if it was a school of lawyers or whatever the fuck, but one of them had a little Laguna. And all of the goons from the nearby favelas would go there and sell drugs like cocaine and shit. I mean, we, I, I used to just, you know, go get some bud, you know? But it was pretty scary, scary times, you know what I mean? I'm talking about... My friend having a basketball shirt and the guy saying like, oh, that's a basketball shirt from like another city. Like, what the fuck are you doing coming here disrespecting us and shit? Took out a gun and was like, take that shit off, you motherfucker. And I was just like, oh, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> that, so that's what I'm talking about, right? You want to talk about law? There's no law. If somebody was to, to kill you, then you're dead. Nobody's going to fucking... 
investigate that. It's a 99.9% impunity in Venezuela for all crimes. If you need to go to a public hospital, you cannot get tests done. There's no machines for dialysis. There's no machines for chemotherapy. There's no basic. When I was there, you needed to buy your own syringes, your own things. Now, I don't even know if they have anything that unless you provide it. Living a life in Venezuela today is already hard. But if you have any problem, then you're living a tragedy, a complete tragedy. If someone has a medical issue, emergency, it's a nightmare. I lived with my dad like a whole year of having him be in hospitals with me, not having, I was having money, all fucked, not even having the possibility of finding out if he was getting better because I didn't have a way of doing blood exams in the hospital, you know, so nothing works, you know. So like, you could say that Venezuela is not even today a socialist country, you know, like that's what they claim to be. And also, I don't want you to think like, oh, it wasn't applied properly. But if you apply socialism properly, then it works. This is the problem. Socialism. Okay. Helping people. Yeah, it's nice. You have Nordic countries that have a capitalist motor and then a lot of social programs, right? That bleed the system, but they make enough money to cover the social programs. But they also have a culture of people that acts differently. And if people don't want to accept that culture does matter, it does. You know what I mean? Like, when you go to a Nordic country and you go to the metro, you don't have to go through anything. I mean, I'm not going to say every fucking metro. I don't, you know, so I, not, I don't want to comment like, well, if you go to the Copenhagen, I'm just saying in general, because I fucking, I've seen it. I've seen it. You don't have to go through anything because people just fucking behave. That's just, there's countries that have a culture where people behave more than others. That's just how it is. So you have a place that behaves really well, you provide social programs that are all administered by people that behave well, and you kind of have a country that just works. But the problem is when not everyone is like that, when you have a big government, you're gonna end up having corruption. There's no way around it. There's no way around it, man. If I'm the general that was giving the responsibility to do a social program in this town and they give me $10 million. You can do a lot with $10 million, especially in third world countries, especially in a small town. But what happens is, okay, $10 million. The first guy that gets it is like, well, definitely $9 million are for me because the level of corruption is now fucking Vegeta, you know, Dragon Ball level, like motherfucker, the Zodiac Knights, whatever the fuck. I'm not gonna steal a little, no, 10 million? 9 million to my pocket. Just cause I fucking, cause I'm here, dog. Cause I is. So then we have 1 million dollar left to do the social program, okay. I grab that million dollar and I give it to a contractor. And the contractor says, yeah, for a million dollars, man, we're gonna do a shitload of things, all right. 
he grabs that million dollars and he says, shit. This guy probably took some shit off that. Million dollars. I'm going to take 500,000. And with 500,000, it should be good to do this. So he grabs 500,000. And he gives five people 100,000 to do five different parks in the city. And those people that got 100,000, they're like, fuck, I'm keeping 90. And I'll use $10,000 to put a fucking swing and a little slide. And they did that in five locations in the town. And I'm giving you an example, of course, but not a real one, but that could be real. I mean, this is the type of shit that happened, right? So what ends up happening in the city? $10 million got you five locations where they each have one swing and a slide. And that shit happens. That shit happens. I seen in a beach town, they put a little uh, shower head for people to take off water when they go get out of the beach. And that project took $2 million. So you tell me <laughs> how the fuck you make a faucet for $2 million. You know what I mean? But that's how it is, dog. So when I support small government and in, in other podcasts that you've listened, it's not because I'm a piece of shit that doesn't want to help people. It's just that unless we're able to figure out how to make it so that motherfuckers don't steal, then it's better for everybody to just keep their money and then use it how they see fit. The bigger the government, the more opportunities the people that work that government have to steal. But if we give them less power, then they, they wouldn't have anything to steal. Even if they wanted to be pieces of shit, there's nothing to steal or very little. But like I said at the beginning, I don't want to get into political, even though the whole this does have to do with the political situation in Venezuela. But I don't want to you know, get too far off, but hopefully this gave some, some insights into what it is that's happening over there. I probably missed a lot of things, but it is a very complex situation. And I try to give you like a compressed uh, view of it all. But, uh, you know, if enough people care about this, topic further and you have questions i will be super glad and to do a, a second part where we answer questions from from the audience uh you know regarding anything i didn't touch or anything that that you're wondering and like i said i'm gonna give you my honest answer from the shit that i lived you know and all that i said today is literally from my experiences living in venezuela i protested in venezuela before I left in 2015 again, and I almost got killed once. There's this, uh, there's this famous girl that got killed. I'm not gonna say her name just because, you know, I just don't, doesn't seem right like to use her like, oh, if you know her, you know, I'll, fuck it. I'm just saying, there was this girl that, her, the picture was famous because she was being carried out by like a, a motorcycle right after she got shot because on the protest the regime will send goons with guns to fight the protesters right and the protesters we were just you know pacifically protesting maybe some of them throwing rocks when they when they were shooting at us when i heard shots i was like yo what the fuck i'm out you know and there was a girl nearby that got shot like very close to me and then i, I 
motorcycle picked her up and passed right by me. And then they took that famous picture of her uh, being carried out to the local hospital where she died later. And this is horrible. A lot of young kids died in the protest. And But, you know, this, are, this is from things that I lived. So if you do want to hear more about this and actually have questions, then leave them there. And I hope you enjoyed the episode. Broski Doodles, stay safe, stay real. And I'll see you next week, my homies. Mm-hmm.